Welcome to That's Church. My sister Emmy and I are on a mission to open our hearts and minds by attending different churches here in Utah. We're talking to the beautiful people that make their church a community. How do you feel your relationship with God has changed since being true to yourself, or has it? That is an interesting question. I... I don't know if I could say since becoming true to myself, my spiritual journey is just constantly changing and evolving. Uh, I went from super active OBS in the thick of everything to a very staunch atheist. Um, And then I actually started going to Community of Christ because I wanted to find commonality with my wife who was still in the OBS faith. And we were watching The Chosen together. And I thought, okay, this is a Jesus I can get behind, a Jesus of love and compassion. And I may not believe Jesus is real, but if I can find somewhere that teaches these principles, then I would be good. And so I started going to Community of Christ. Since going to Community of Christ, I went from a pretty staunch atheist to a spiritualist. And I don't know if that is the influence of Community of Christ or being more true to myself. Probably a little bit of both. I know at the beginning stages of Community of Christ, I, when I started coming to terms with my gender dysphoria and seeing the possibilities moving forward and the choices branching out in front of me, one thing that caused me a lot of pain was why would God make me so conflicted so that I would just always live my life in this turmoil. And I was actually the pastor at the time um, who gave me some great insight on that that I don't know if I want to share. It was really personal and it was really life-changing and life-saving, but it helped me open up my beliefs to the possibility of a God in general. So now I'm more spiritualist. I believe that where there is love being taught and where you can feel peace, then you are in the right place. God communicates with everybody differently. That's why there are so many religions. God needs us to find God on our own terms. And God has put themselves out there for everybody to find whatever, if they're, whether they're analytical or whether they're super by the book and this is the process you follow or, or whatever. And I feel like I've lost my train of thought, but long story short, Christ teaches Jesus and the Jesus they teach is an accepting, loving Jesus. I don't know if Jesus is, is a guy that existed, but I, I can get on board with the teachings of Jesus the way Community of Christ puts them out. Love that. Man, I'm like speechless because I just love that so much. I love the the um that God we're all able to find God and through whatever religion fits best with our lives. That is just like it's like exactly what we're trying to do with this podcast. I feel like that needs to be the theme now. <laughs> <laughs> you're the mascot. <laughs> um, and what a beautiful journey. Um, and I'm glad you kept that that personal message for yourself, because there are some things that are just so special that, you know, it's so personal. And, and I'm so glad that 
that that pastor said that to you in whatever form it was. Um, and I'm, yeah, I, I also am just impressed with your honesty because I think a lot of people, and this might also be a Mormon thing, is that we love, we love the story of like, I was struggling in this trial, but now I'm here and I'm on top of the mountain and I'm great. And, and I just, my spirituality is just like this. And, and I'm perfectly happy with that because there's a lot of growth that happens when you go. I just realized I did a motion and some people listening might not know, but I'm moving my hand up and down y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it is a roller coaster and I think there's so much to be learned on the downward spirals just as much as the upward, um, <clears throat> trek. So, so to speak, but, um, but yeah, so I love that you were so honest and, and I just think there's so much value in, in talking about our spirituality in an honest way. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, what good is it? Right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think there's so much grace that should be given as well in like where you're at in your journey. Like you were a staunch atheist at one point and now, and not that that's bad or wrong or anything, but just, um, you just don't know where a person is and where they're going to end up and what they're going through. And, um, you don't know their past, you don't know their future and you don't know what's going on right now in their life either. You know, um, I try really hard in like teaching at church, because I think Ashley's exactly right. That a lot of times people will share their story when it's perfected or when it feels like you're above it, you know, um, and, and perfect isn't the right word because it's never there, but, but when you're above the trial or, you know, or the struggle or whatever. And so I try to make it a point when I'm teaching or talking to my kids or, or anyone that I am, that I'm honest about my current struggle, you know, and that like, Hey, I'm not perfect. And I, I'm struggling in whatever it is I'm struggling in, in that moment, because, because I think that's how people can relate. And I think when we look at it from a past perspective or tell it from a past perspective, then people think, Oh, wow. Well, she's so strong. Cause she got through this and I'm weak because I'm struggling right now. No, I was struggling then too, you know, or I am struggling right now too. And so, um, I think that's something that is so important to, that we, we stand where we're at in the moment, you know? So anyway, but I love, I love to hear your story and hear, um, hear the path that you, and I, and I'm excited to see where your path takes you in the future as well. I think. Me too. It's a, it's a journey. It is. It's a journey. And I just, I love your story. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Brittany mentioned a little bit that uh, she has not always felt safe as a female pastor here in Utah. Um, how have you felt as a trans woman? Do you, have you felt safe here for the most part? And, and do you have any advice for trans youth? Oh my goodness. So safety in Utah, I can acknowledge that Utah is not one of the most dangerous places for trans people, which is amazing and great. I'm grateful for that. I don't really feel like I'm unsafe, but that comes with the caveat that I don't put myself in situations where I think I'll be unsafe, like restrooms. I do not use the restrooms in public at all because I don't want to have the choice of, do I want to get yelled at or possibly assaulted? So I just, I don't. 
and I don't know how safe it would be. I can't speak to that. Um, I also haven't been to Southern Utah. Maybe the political climate's a little bit different than where I am right now. Sure. Um, so I don't know. I know downtown Salt Lake feels really nice and safe. Usually when I go there, it's it's a pretty queer place, and it's very affirming and amazing. Um, I know that legislatively, Utah is not a safe place for trans people. There's a lot going on legislatively that is detrimental to being trans. Um, so there's that safety. So overall, it's a gray area, like I said. In my experience, I haven't been beat up. Um, people are, I get stared at a lot. Sometimes that's not fun. Sometimes I will stop presenting feminine and have a masculine day just because I'm tired of being the focus of attention everywhere I go. It's so annoying. But, uh, and it's nice to just blend in and be a person and not have my transness be who I am. Uh, as far as advice for the kids, um, it's it's a tricky environment out there right now. It's really hard to transition. It might even be hard to come out for some of you. If you do not feel safe to come out, don't come out if it is not safe for you. If you are in the closet, you are still valid. You are still loved. You are still seen by other people that love you. Even if you haven't found your people yet, you are and will be loved. If you need support and you don't know anybody you can talk to in person, I would say go to thetrevorproject.org. It is a nonprofit that is available for support for anybody that is queer, not just the trans kids. And I would recommend that um, very highly. Uh, if you're out, but you're unable to transition medically for whatever reasons, or transitions just not happening as fast as you want it to, just rock what you got. Make it till you make it. That confidence is beautiful. And just have that confidence. And if you're not feeling the confidence, put your earbuds in, just rock your favorite music, hold your head up high. You got this. You guys can't see it, but I'm cutting onions over here. You can't see it, though. Wait, we're videoing. Dang it. <laughs> Got missed you a few There's times in there. Well, There's onions in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that is beautiful. And what a great message to send to trans youth and, and all youth. And Trevor Project is amazing. We've we've mm -hmm. sent our tithing money to Trevor Project a few times. Um, so thank you so much. Good for source. Yeah. And I was going to have you share this at the end, but I think sometimes people don't make it to the end and I want them to have this resource. You have a blog that you have created, right? That with your history or with your story, um, and you continue to keep that blog up. I'm excited to look at it. I, you, you recently told me about it. I haven't looked at it yet, but do you mind sharing what that blog is? Oh, yeah. So trigger warning on the blog, if you do want to look at it, I kind of intended it just for like family and friends. But 
as I said, with the spiritual journey, the personal journey, it's all important to share, I think. So I do get pretty, I don't know, open. I get very open in that when I talk about all kinds of things. So just view it with caution if you want to. I'm so excited. I have so much homework to do after this. I just looked it up. It's benorgen.blogspot.com. Okay. Yeah, I just found it too. Um, and I think it's so important to be genuine and open and real and our true selves. And I think it could help a lot of people. So thank you so much for sharing that and letting us know about it. Uh, so if I may, I want to say here that Jen is transitioning as an adult and keeping a very close track on that with the blog. So it isn't for kids. There is very, very raw adult material. And honestly, for me, it's been very fascinating to learn. I've even asked Jen some questions about it. The, it, it is very honest. As I said, it can trigger suicide warnings. And Jen does reference those triggers usually at the first of the posts. But I do think you'll find it to be one of the most intense views inside what Jen's going through from, from someone doing and writing this firsthand. Okay. Yeah. I to read. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do have suicide triggers as appropriate. I don't always necessarily talk about the physical triggers. I try not to be super crass with them, but I want them to be out there as it's a part of the reality. Sure. For sure. So if you're an adult and you're interested in learning more about Jen's story and um, maybe receiving some of um that support and information, then then definitely visit her blog. And if you're a child, talk to your parents. <laughs> and I liked what you said about if if it's not safe for you to come out, don't come out. That is so, I've never really thought about that. I mean, I think a lot of times we just encourage people to come out. I think it is important to find a safe adult um, or a safe person to come out to and make sure that it is a safe environment and a safe person. Um, I really am so glad that you said that. That has never been on my radar for some reason. So I think that's important to note. And um, and I think it's true that it isn't always safe. I I have a um, a neighbor that I met recently. Actually, she lives. Um, pretty kind of far from me, but she, we do like a, a neighborhood block party every, every summer. And, um, she was just walking by our, our party and I said, stop and eat and, and invited her to stay. And she was telling me what she does for a living. And she's a, um, uh, she's a mental health worker. And she said, I now work with only adults because when I started, I worked with youth and it was so hard because she said here in Utah, you can imagine how many youth are on the streets because they've come out to their parents and been rejected and kicked out of their own homes. And so they're homeless, um, because they, because they came out to their parents. And so she was in charge of kind of helping and supporting them and getting them into housing and things like that. But I was just shocked. I was blown away that that's even a thing at all. Um, I really was very naive to that fact. So, um, so it's a, it, you know, it, it is a real thing. And I hope, I hope our listeners um, or anyone listening that is struggling with um, with coming out that they do have a safe place or a safe person that they can talk to. But, but like you said, it's not always the case. So it's just so sad. Um, okay. 
back to joy. <laughs> um, our next question, uh, what things give you the most joy now and gave you the most joy before your transition? That is another thing that I had to reflect on. Um, so before my transition, I did a lot of distractions so that I would not have to pay attention to the little scratching at the back of my skull that told me something was wrong. So I got into things like Dungeons and Dragons. I loved creating content for Dungeons and Dragons. I have so many characters that I will never play because I just had to keep my brain occupied. Uh, board games, but like super advanced board games you guys probably never heard of. I actually created a few board games, uh, painting miniatures with lots of little detail for said board games, D&D, Warhammer, anything to keep my mind occupied. Um, after the transition or during, I'm still in transition. I'm still in that goo pupil phase. But um, I still like D&D and board games, but I find now I can be authentic and I don't feel like I'm risking anything. I'm being, I'm being, I'm able to develop better relationships with people, my kids, and I'm finding more joy with other people now that I am able to be authentic. And I think I still have some of that in me where I still try to kind of hide and maybe that's why my blog is so very very open as i'm trying to work on not hiding anymore but i think that's giving me the most joy now it's just the openness and the honesty that i am able to have that i don't think i've ever really understood before that's awesome and it sounds like it may have been something you didn't even know was a thing or was missing you know the honest the honesty has kind of come forward as you've been honest with yourself and kind of looked inside yourself and realized some things. So that is yeah, true. I would agree. hundred percent. Can I just say two? Oh, go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Not, not to like dictate what brings Jen joy, but what should bring her joy is that she has the best eye makeup out of anyone in the congregation. And you literally, everyone would say the same we're all always like oh my gosh how did you do your eyeliner how did you do your eyeshadow jen nails it every single week at the congregation there was talk about her eye makeup it's a thing every week it's phenomenal I mean, maybe I should do lessons on my blog, a video or something. I was looking, when I started this, I was looking at all of your makeup and thinking, I will never be there. You have surpassed all of us on behalf of all of the women in the congregation. Yes, yes. You're next level. That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, you you don't look like a gooey chrysalis. You look like a butterfly to me, so... No, my voice is out of that Victoria still, and there's, I guess only I see it, but I am, I'm still super in the chrysalis. I'm beautiful <laughs> in all ways, inside and out. And uh, you had mentioned, you mentioned your voice. You mentioned to me when we were at the church 
that you were having mm-hmm. surgery on your voice or, or something? Did that happen? So the surgery is very risky. It's not for not for me. Um, I am trying to get myself in touch with a vocal coach so that I can learn how to control my range better. So hopefully that happens. I am on a waiting list. And I'm expecting a call any day. So we'll see. It sounds great how it is, though. Yeah, that's exciting, though. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. With my voice, this can be cut later if you want. It's just a tangent. I was at work the other day doing some work outside of my regular work. I work with the youth, and there's another provider there with her youth. They were like nine-year-old girls. And when I walked in, they were like, oh, you're so pretty. What's your name? I've never met you before. And then I said, oh, I'm just another respite provider. And they looked from admiration of how pretty I was to confused. And then they're like switching back and forth using he, him pronouns and then correcting themselves and saying things like, well, I can tell you're a girl because you have long hair and beautiful eyelashes. Except they didn't say, I can tell you're a girl. They said, I can tell he's a girl because he has. It was just so so heartwarming and sweet and painful all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sweet that they're trying, but you're like, oh, (laughs) I'm sure Uh, that's something that we don't have to, that we don't have to experience. And so I can totally see why you are looking for a voice coach, but. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, we're there's so many different people and so many different levels of transition and and just so many um like speaking on the closeted, I I have friends who are um like bisexual maybe or this or that and they don't come out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um because they're happily married mm-hmm. to a man. Um and so and to them it doesn't feel like they're any less of an ally. It just they just don't Want to, they don't feel like they need to come out. And I do think it's important to remember that that their sexuality is just as valid and mm-hmm. that sexuality in general is just such a spectrum. <laughs> so this next question is about allyship and um, ways that we can improve on um, being allies and and how to help in our efforts to um, to help our trans siblings feel more at home and at ease. Do you have any um advice for that or you you did mention the the trevor project which is a, is a great resource yeah trevor project is a great resource um um what i would say first and foremost is i am not every trans person our experiences vary greatly so i can only speak from my experience as being a trans woman um but i can give a little bit of things that I have found helpful. In fact, oddly enough, I just put this on my Facebook recently. Um, Because I get asked this a lot. I think something that I didn't talk about that I wasn't going to talk about maybe is important is don't ever out somebody. If somebody comes to you and they tell you that they are trans, you need to find out where they are out so you can help them. You do not want to go to a family event and out them there, or maybe if they're going to church with you and they're dressed, maybe they're trans femme and they come dressed in a tie and you don't want to use, you want to check with them on what pronouns to use probably. Because um, it may not be safe for them. It may make them feel uncomfortable. 
like we said, you don't know where anybody is in their journey or where they are in their transition. I was fortunate enough to have Community of Christ to come out and be open with, and it was amazing. Everyone has Community of Christ. So, um, that leads me to pronouns. Um, the, one of the best ways to be supportive of any trans person is to use their pronouns and their name. Uh, it is so great and validating. If you see somebody mid pupa stage and you're not sure which way they're going, it does not hurt to ask. It will not offend us. We feel happy that we are seen and cared for enough that you cared to ask. Um, and if you do slip up, because a lot of people in my life knew me as Ben for 40 years, and now I'm asking them to call me Jen. So as long as you are making an effort, you don't need to apologize. That's just awkward for us, because then what do we say? Oh, it's okay. It's not okay. It's still not. But we understand, and we're going to be patient. Just correct yourself and move forward. Don't worry about apologizing. We can see you're making the effort, and that is that is important to us. And I think the biggest thing for me personally is has been compliments, <laughs> but those sincere compliments. We are learning a brand new style. I don't know much about the trans mask experience. It seems easy because you just do your t-shirt and jeans. But going from a t-shirt and jeans to the the femme style where even a t-shirt and jeans is complicated um we're not going to get fashion right every time there's going to be some fails so sincere compliments looks like we are dressed completely mismatched it's not working at all but our lipstick is a great color maybe you want to mention that and say oh my gosh that color is really bringing out your your skin today or that color of eyeshadow makes your eyes pop or hey you've got really great eyeshadow skills just compliment sincerely what you can and if there's absolutely nothing because they are day one and they don't know what they're doing at all you can just tell them how much you love to see their smile and how happy they look something sincere because that is our roadmap to success if you are giving insincere compliments we think it's stuck in some fashion or faux pas and it could set us back a lot so sincere compliments and the compliments are important because we are on shaky ground at best we are not feeling confident we love the confidence that it brings when we know people see us and that we are not i guess as monstrous as we feel <laughs> I think that's so important because I think a lot of people are afraid to mention anything about the transition, you know, so I think that's really good to, for people to know that it's okay, you know, it's okay to compliment the things that they see that are going well. And, and, um, anyway, I just, I've seen that in people like, just be afraid to mention anything about anything having to do with the transition. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. That's important. Yeah, it turns out slow motion shape changing is hard. It's a lot of direction. Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. Wow, what great advice. How can a person let go of judgment of others and worry about family disapproval? Well, 
way I understand that question right now, you can't do both. You cannot let go of judgment of others. Oh, our judgment of others. Let me look at it that way. So I just try to approach everything with the assumption that everyone is doing the best that they can with the knowledge they have and the experiences they have been through. And with that mindset, it is easier for me to have grace for people when they are ignorant about something that may hurt me. Um, as far as worrying about family disapproval, I think that's something I'm still working on. Um, I do have some family that has not talked to me since I came out. I also have some family that have been full-bore supportive. And I have some family that's right in the middle who probably wish I wouldn't be transitioning. They don't understand it. But they are still keeping peace and doing great at that. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I need to realize that I have a responsibility to myself and my peace before that of people in my life that may not have my best interest in mind. That's my responsibility to have my interest in mind. And I don't need, I can decide what level of involvement people have in my life. And there are people that I love dearly that I still want in my life. And when we get together, we just seem to have circular arguments about the trans agenda or my liberal work that has shifted my brain or any of these other things. And I just need to limit my exposure with them. That doesn't mean I have to cut them out, but it means they may not play as big a role in my life as they once did. Um, I don't know if I answered the question because I'm not sure I understood the question, but long story short, there are people that love me and I need to find them need to focus on them because they are the ones that need to matter to me the most absolutely I love that. I, mm. my uh sorry ash you can if you have something but um my husband is reading a book right now and i wish i remembered the name of it but it talks about our inner circles and how there are very few people i think it said like there are like four or five people in your life that you should care what their perspective is or what their opinion is and he said of um, and then everybody else outside of that small circle, you can respect them and love them and listen to them, but you don't need to um, take their opinion to heart, you know, and the four or five people, you may want to listen to their opinion and be like, okay, do I agree with them? Maybe, maybe not, but I'm going to think about it, you know, and anyone outside of those few people doesn't matter. Like the, you can just let go of all of that, you know, and it doesn't need to be part of your life. It doesn't need to affect your life in any form or any way. And I love that thought because I think that we get so clouded with all the people, you know, and we want to love and we want to accept it, of course. And I think that's so important, but that doesn't need to be integrated so heavily into the like woven into the intricacy of our own lives and and take what they and take what they say so heavily you know um so i love that i love that um that you've kind of learned that 
Yeah, that's one less book I have to write. Someone else already did. It's great. I'll tell you the still next one I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so true. It's you can so still true. write it from your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've read my blog, you may not want me to write books because I didn't. It's probably a pretty hard read, honestly. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so excited to I'm write excited. that. I can't mm-hmm. wait. Yeah. Great. And I agree with Emmy. That is so important. And and I think what's hard for people is like you said, Emmy, you would think your parents would for sure be in that core group, but for some it's not. And it doesn't mean you love them any less. It just means that you maybe slide them into that outer group, still love there, but they're maybe not the people you're going to share your deepest thoughts with or hold their, hold the highest opinion, you know, hold their opinion higher than others. Um, because there are, like you said, Emmy, some parents who do not understand it. And I, I think a lot of it is ignorance. And I think that is why your blog, Jen, is so important because people just need to know. There is so much that people do not know. Um, there's a, uh, oh my gosh, Maya Angelou quote that's do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. And I think that you show so much grace, Jen, in the way that you handle yourself and and in the way that you present and you're just, you're such a loving person. And I love to see it because I know that there have probably been people who have not shown love to you. And so it means more that you are able to give grace and love in the way that you do. I got some onions over here. now. you're too kind. <laughs> I passed them over there. <laughs> these next few questions, um, these are our last few and this, these questions are for everyone. Um, are there any things that you would change about your religion? And if so, what would they be? You guys are solid. You're like, no. Good. We're good. I mean, I love talking to people. So if I could change anything, I would just like to see more people there, whether they're members or not. I just like talking to new people. So that's what I would change. Yeah. We loved chatting with you, obviously. <laughs> you and I took for a very long time. Disconnected so easily, but um, I, I, when we were there, we noticed that there weren't a lot of people in the congregation at the time. But you guys had mentioned that there were, there was a party right before that there were a ton of, you know, a bunch of people there, and it's kind of like come and go. People kind of come and go. Is, um, is that how you see it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, like I said earlier, one of the things I love about the church is. It's here for where you are for as long as you need. There's no pressure to become a member. If you can help or receive help from just attending one or two times or whatever it may be, it's so welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple from Oregon who used to be in your congregation who was visiting and they came and visited. And that was really cool to see that too i'm like wow like if i was coming back home i don't know if the first i don't know if i'd go to church to visit my old members i don't know maybe maybe i'm i'm new to our ward so i'm i'm not as close to them yet but that was really cool to see that they came to visit and we're so excited to see the rest of the congregation yeah i think um one thing about community of christ and jason kind of said this at the very beginning but there's no such thing as correlation which means that because we are a global church, the church looks very, very different in other places. And I wish that we in America got to experience that a little bit more. Um, 
we definitely see that diversity at our world conference, but in the Salt Lake congregation, we're pretty white. Um, we have a very like Utah way of doing things. And sometimes I wish that we could experience that global part of our faith community a little bit more. Um, because I mean, there's congregations that dance in church and sing wildly different music and just do all sorts of things that are culturally relevant to them. Um, and that can, that doesn't always spill over into the U.S. church, which I think is sometimes sad. So I'd like to see a little more diversity in our worship. That's cool. And speaking of music um, and hymns, my husband and I are, we're so interested and surprised at the, and, and just thought it was so cool that the hymns, a lot of the hymns are the same songs as the LDS hymns, but different words, which yes. was so cool. And I, we really enjoyed that because it was very familiar to us. So we could still, we could still sing along, but it was, um, but it was different. And it was, so it was really nice to kind of reflect on the, the words. It actually made us stop and really listen to the words maybe for the first time, even though we knew, we knew the hymns front and back, you know, in the other words. <laughs> so that was really cool. That was surprising. And, cool mm -hmm. to us. and I have your hymn book on, in my front room on the, it's on, on display guys. Stand. Yeah. <laughs> so I always like hope people will look at it, you know, and my I husband actually sit over have, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, there are some differences in our hymn books. Ours is a little bit newer and has more songs, but it also has the guitar chords, which is really nice. It's helpful, especially if you're camping mm. or things like that. I know inside church buildings with the LDS handbook of instruction, guitars are a big no-no. We're kind of taking that the opposite direction. We've been exploring playing ukuleles and guitars at church, and we've been having a lot That's of fun so with cool. that. Uh, the words in the hymns are different mm. as well. We do adjust the hymn the words of the hymns to match our theology. And so you will find it to be more open and inclusive, a little less onward Christian soldiers <laughs> off to war and a little more mm -hmm. amazing grace <laughs> in our, in our church. We do want peace for the world and we want people to feel included. And that's what you'll see there with some of the holidays. We have people that, that actually come the week of Martin Luther King King's birthday in Utah, because we sing some of the soulful mm. songs than some of the uh, the Black National Anthem and some of the other uh, spirituals, the Negro spiritual songs. And we we definitely have a lot of room for improvement mm -hmm. there, but we definitely give it a good try. And I do hope we can live up to the huge potential that is our handbook. That's awesome. We had a New Year's Eve party and um, with a bunch of neighbors and friends and uh, my husband used it as like a, like a, he may have asked you, Jason, for advice or information, but um, of which hymns were, were which, I think. And so he, he asked one of our, anyway, he made it like a game. He was like, can you listen to this hymn and look at the words? And, and they didn't match. And anyway, he thought it was really cool. And everyone was like, it was like a whole thing. So cool. So back in the 1800s, that's what they did. They had mm -hmm. these tunes, but then they had different words that were written in about the same meter. And so oftentimes they would sing those words to different tunes and give mm -hmm. it different meanings. 
one of the interesting things that we do have in common with the LDS hymn book is we do have the hymn, The Spirit of God, and it is an anthem in our in our faith community as well. We sing it every world conference. It's one of the highlights of the conference. There is a verse, though, that's been added that talks about peace and the child laying down with mm-hmm. the lion and a lamb. And our, we have a professional organist that rocks it on the big pipe oh, organs cool. at our conference center or at our temple. And we still need a little <laughs> bit more soul. <laughs> That's awesome. We've wanted to find some churches that have that. And we haven't really found any yet, have we? We've gone, most of our churches have been chanting, more chanting. Yeah, I think you said that the Krishna in Cottonwood has dancing. The Krishna Temple in Cottonwood. Yeah, I, mean, I want to go do that. I, I will look like a fool, but I, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. It looks fun. Okay, um, if you could tell LDS members one thing, what would it be? This one feels loaded. I'll let you go for it. You look great up. Well, I mean. I guess I was going to ask, is this like a happy LDS person who is fine with their religion, who has no qualms or beef? Or is it someone who's a little bit on the fringes? Because I think my, I don't know, whatever would be different. But if it's somebody on the fringes, I would just say to not let a church dictate your spirituality and your relationship with God. Um, Even if churches claim to have the absolute authority like you don't have to believe that and it doesn't make you a bad person and it doesn't mean that you don't believe in God. Um, you can take your spirituality into your own hands. And I guess I would probably say that to an active, faithful, non-questioning member as well. Um, yeah. Don't, don't let the man control you. You can be in charge of your own spirituality. Obviously we freaking love that. I say freaking on here. <laughs> I, I said it in place of something else. So <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. That's part of why we're doing this podcast because we feel like, especially more traditional members, are it's almost taboo to look outside of your own traditions and culture and beliefs. And um, so we're really hoping to help people to kind of reach outside of themselves and look at different truths and different goodness and different lights, you know, to add to their own lights and to add to their own goodness. And so um, that's really important to us, I feel like. And we have, honestly, as I have looked into other churches and researched and talked to beautiful people like yourselves, we, I have uh, really strengthened my connection with God and my own spirituality. And, um, and actually within my own church, which was really, really surprising to me, I thought maybe I would be more like, oh, I want to join this church. But and and it's not because I feel like other churches are wrong or other churches are different or weird or or that we're better or anything like that. It's just that my connection with my own spirituality has been strengthened because I have taken so much goodness from other churches and added them to my own. And so I just feel a little bit more complete and whole um as a person and individually so it's just been such a beautiful experience so anyway thank you for sharing that Brittany and then Jen so 
or JC? JC. Go ahead. I I know someone who was forced out of the closet by their young women's leaders and had a pretty interesting response to that. I talked about it with the young women's leaders and the bishop. I actually met with them and and talked with them because they literally were teaching in their young women's group that they wanted to love these people back Mm -hmm. into the church. And I had to kind of give some context to what that love really means. The way the love and the attention that, that these folks were trying to do was actually hurting the, hurting this particular person. And so I, I talked with them to give them self-awareness. Sometimes love may be the answer to everything, but if your love is coming from a position of bringing them back into the church and back into a place that isn't necessarily good for them and healthy for them or authentic for them, that it's a better to show love by giving people space and letting them choose if they want to come back and mm-hmm. come back in the right time. And, and I know we're not perfect with our love either, uh, but we do try to help people on their spiritual journey and not proselyte to them, especially if that proselyting is a message that would hurt. And so I did suggest that they take a step back and they did and it helped. Yeah, that's so needed. I I took a step back from uh, my religion for a few months and it was the best thing I could have ever done. And I took the time to research and talk to friends and hear people's experience that would be considered anti-Mormon, but are just like their testimonies. You know, we all have a testimony of something. And I remember I told my bishop when I came back, hey, you should recommend people take a break for a few months. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> But, but I said, I was, I'm, I was pretty good friends with them at that time. I mean, I'm still, but we were pretty close. So I was like, Hey, you should try this. And, um, I think it could be kind of like a mini Ramspringa, which, which is, uh, an Amish tradition, like go out and see what the world is. And then if you want to come back, great. If you don't great, it, that's how I view it anyway. Cause I don't, I don't think people should stay in Mormonism if they're not feeling good in it. So, um, and the same with, with every religion, you know, we, you have to, that's another goal with our podcast is, you know, maybe guiding people to what religions are here in Utah that they didn't know about. Um, and like the, the qualities that each religion has. And so that's been, um, that's been very eye opening for me through this journey, but also taking that step back really made me, first of all, see how it feels to be inactive or um, out of the church in some form. And it's very interesting because um, there was so much connection and truth gained during that time that some members would have thought I was like maybe falling away or, you know, and it's, it was the complete opposite. And same with this. I haven't been to our church in a while because I'm going to a lot of different churches and every week I'm gaining some type of different brand of spirituality and members of my church would never know it. And that's all right. They don't have to, I guess, but I think it's important to look at people who are inactive. I'm doing air quotes for those who aren't watching this, but, and recognize that they're not inactive from their spirit. They might not be, you know, going to your building of worship, but they are not inactive in their spirituality. And, or maybe they are, but that's, that's not something that we should judge or think that we understand between each individual. And I think, um, I like that your church has kind of gotten away from the, the church is true, um, kind of, uh, rhetoric or I don't know what you'd call it, but, um, because I think um, 
like like Ashley said, we're trying to help people see what else is here in Utah and uh, realize that it's not the only thing and the only one. And maybe there is something that fits them better, you know, and something that, that they connect with more. So that's important to us as well. Jen, what was your, yeah. if there was something you could change or sorry, if you could tell an LDS member. So this is intended with super much, very much love. Um, the LDS church does not have the monopoly on peace or joy. There's so much joy and so much peace outside of the church. If you are feeling peace and joy in the church, great. Keep that up. But please do not pity those that are left because there's nothing to pity. And if you are scared of losing peace and joy because you're on the fringes right now, there's nothing to be afraid of. I think um, Brittany kind of mentioned this a little bit from being a young girl in the church as well. But I think like for me as a young girl in the church, I always looked at people that were not LDS and thought, oh, like they can't really be a good person even. And that that sounds a little extreme and that may not have been exactly my thought, but, but it is kind of, I think that is something in our church that we do look at people that are not part of this particular uh, faith. And we think, well, they... They don't have what we have because we have all of this peace and we have all of this goodness or whatever. And we think, how can they live life and how can they, you know, and they need this. They need, you know, which we are so missionary driven. And <laughs> I think that that can be challenging and that can be, um, can just isn't very Christ-like. And mm -hmm. I think that it, it's changing. I think that's changing. And I think we've made progress in that area, but it's true. I think we don't have a monopoly on peace and happiness and, you know, we can find peace and happiness wherever we find peace and happiness. And I found a lot of peace and happiness in the Krishna temple and the Islamic community and the community of Christ and uh, the Methodist church and, you know, and in the mountains and <laughs> playing with my kids. And, you know, it's just, it's not all, it's not a, one size fits all thing in my mind. So mm -hmm. I love the book. Um, and people, every time I mention this podcast to people, they often mention, Oh, have you read restoration by Patrick Mason? And, um, it is so great at explaining, you know, that, that it's just one piece of the world that we are part of that we're cultivating. And there's so many other parts of the garden that need to be cultivated and can't, you know, and, and are being cultivated that are, we're just one little tiny part of it. So. Yeah. We're cultivating the onion part. Yeah, All our tears shed here tonight. Okay. <laughs> I've gotten missed you a few times. I've just hit it. Well, this is why I'm so far back. So just be like, <laughs> um, so this she is our last question. He's very, it's you yeah. guys. It's, it's, it is. It's you guys. Um, I mean, we cry a lot, but I do cry a lot. Um, this is the last question pretty, pretty much. And then just the end after this. Um, but um, in your opinion, what does the world need to spend more time doing? Are you guys ready to solve the problems of worlds? Let's just solve it right here. Solving right here. This is such a cool question from someone. It, I love it. Uh, eat more fun. ice cream. Oh. I just I think it's 
pretty simple just figuring out how to love each other um not to like I mean that sounds really cheesy but I just think so many of our differences and so much of our diversity gets in the way and if we can just find common ground and love each other um maybe not love all things about all people but if we can just learn to love each other I think a lot of problems would be solved Amen. Thanks. yeah do you guys have anything else just to add i think choosing people over systems goes really well with loving oh i love that yes absolutely well i think there is a place in this world for healthy boundaries we have to let people mm -hmm. have healthy boundaries we also need to have boundaries ourselves and we need to respect other people's boundaries and understand them. Amen. Mm -hmm. All three. Mm, perfect. Perfect combination too. <laughs> you guys all compliment each other so well. <laughs> um, so very strongly love is the answer. Always, almost always love is the answer. Mm -hmm. Like, I talk about love a lot <laughs> at church and um, I think people are really tired of me just talking about love, but, but that's got like, that's it. You know, that's mm -hmm. Jesus first and second great commandment. Love. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty love simple. Yeah, yeah. We, we get in our own way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, okay. Um, so somebody specifically, two people asked, one person lives in Gilbert, Arizona, and one person lived in Colorado. And they said, um, so we're just wondering overall, how do people, is there a way to find congregations of the community of Christ in other cities and other states? Um, and where do you meet here? And do you have a website? Just give us any information that people can use to attend or to listen. You have a podcast you were part of the Zion podcast you mentioned a little bit just give us all the lowdown of all of that yeah so I can speak to that as well as others but um, on seaofchrist.org that's our official church website um, there's a little menu currently I always hesitate to give two specific uh, instructions just because the internet changes and websites change but right now it's under the growth tab and there's a little icon that says find a church and you can type in your zip code you can type in your state your providence uh, your city and our congregations will come up there's also a fair amount of congregations that do online ministries so the salt lake congregation we are a hybrid congregation so you can zoom into us every week there's some congregations that are really at this point only on zoom so there's a, also a little tab that says something about finding an online ministry as well. Um, and yeah, Project Zion podcast is Community of Christ podcast. Um, and there's all sorts of history episodes. There's faith transition episodes. There's theology, scripture. There's all sorts of stuff on there. Um, the Salt Lake congregation, we meet every week um, at 10 o'clock. And for, that's our Sunday school hour. And then we have worship at 11. We also have a congregation in Ogden that meets on the first and third Sunday of the month. And I believe they also meet at 10. And then we also have a little group that meets in Provo at St. Mary's Episcopal Church. 
uh, and they meet every week at 3.30, and that's called our house church, even though it they meet in a church now. But um, yeah, they're a little group in Provo. So yeah, but seaofchrist.org has all that information too. And so also there is a small group in St. George. Oftentimes they meet at a coffee shop and just have talks on Sunday morning. Nancy Ross is the leader down there, and many people who listen to your podcast will know her from some of the historical social groups and feminist groups. Oh, wow. Very cool. So cool. One, of our, one of our listeners told me there was a Provo one, and she was excited to go attend. Um, so, anyway. Yeah. Cool. We will Thank definitely you. be attending again as well. And uh, you guys all signed that that email, which stated that you'd be my best friends. So... That is in writing. Okay, but remember when you showed up at the congregation and I realized that you were the nuanced Mormon, I was like, whoa, we have a celebrity here. Oh my gosh, you're so kind. <laughs> you're so way too kind. Curling over you. Oh my gosh, you are so nice. It ha- it's happened like three times and every time I'm like, me? Whatever. <laughs> every time I go with her anywhere. People recognize us every single time, no. except for churches. I guess not at churches because they're not LDS. No, you got your. That is so nice to me, though. No, and it's true. But it always is just like so cool to meet people who I've connected with online. It's just like I just hug them, all of them. I'm like, sorry, sorry if you're not a hugger. <laughs> I just, it's really cool to, to connect with people. So when you said that, I was fangirling you. I was like, female pastor. Really, that that was a huge boost of confidence. I'm like, man, I might be on the right path now. Now that I know this chick, this awesome chick follows me. So that was so cool. It just was such a great experience. And I I will say, and I want our listeners to know that this is a congregation that you can go to where you will not feel like they're trying to convert you or baptize you. Like like we've all said, it's so welcoming. And like I know that I'll pop in there from time to time, and that it won't feel that way. And and that's no shade on pe- on churches that are trying to convert. I have a guy trying to convert me that we visited, and I I appreciate it. But but I also it's just comforting so to cute. know he is so cute. He's so nice. They're the nicest. But my point is, it is so comforting to know that we can come. Anyone can come and feel welcomed. They know and not ever come back again or come back in a month or a week. It's just such a warm and inviting atmosphere. And we would have been back a long time ago. We just have all these churches that we're attending right now. And um, just a but few. This is the last, well, no, this is the second to last of our um, uh, season well, no, one. Sorry, this will be the last of our season one episode. And then we're going to take it slower for season two. So we're hoping to come back to yours. Yeah, we need to come when the band is playing too. So yeah, it's epic. Uh, this has just been so great. I knew it would take longer with all of us and with so many questions, but is there anything quickly that you want to add? I would just say a repeat of what I kind of already said, and don't let anyone else dictate your spirituality. It's yours and yours alone, and it's good, and it's enough. Beautiful. Perfect note to end on. Yes. Thank, Thank you music. so much, all of you. It's been so enlightening. and. We really just, every time we've talked to you, we've learned so much and we've just feel like there's a place, there's a place for everyone. And you guys have kind of helped us to see that. And we definitely want to come back 
to be supported because we really felt like that was like a support group <laughs> and it was so beautiful and so amazing that it was so versatile and that you were able to kind of move and transition to something different, even though it wasn't planned and um, we felt so at home and so comfortable. So yeah. thank you so much for providing that environment and providing that environment for your whole congregation and for anyone that is, that's just in need of something, you know, of something different and somewhere safe to land. So thank you so much. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for listening. This is the end of season one. We will be back in a few weeks for season two, and we have some great things in store. Including, but not limited to, Patrick Mason, an LDS author of several books, including The Restoration, Pastor Jeff from the YouTube channel Hello Saints, Kurt Frankum from Leading Saints and a discussion on his soon-to-be-released book, Michelle Pepper from Edge of Inside, a Christian pagan witch who would rather be kept anonymous, Mike Green and Scott Mills, an amazing couple we met from the First United Methodist Church. My good friend, Tara Fennell, who will share her experience growing up in the church as a black woman adopted into a white family here in Utah, and what led her to atheism. My cute friend, Christy Lawson, a legally blind woman that grew up in Utah as a Lutheran and her experience navigating growing up here as a non-Mormon. She has been vital in helping me to learn how to be more accepting and loving unconditionally outside of my own religion. Two amazing women that have found spirituality within themselves. Kelly Clark, a woman that grew up in the South, being raised in an extreme religious household and the impact moving forward on her faith journey. A friend from the Native American community and their experience growing up on a reservation. Ankar Ajmani and Bryn Lewis, a mixed faith couple in Utah that had their wedding in a Christian church as well as a Hindu temple. We are so excited for this next season. In the first season, we love the foundation of focus on religions here in Utah. This season will be more focused on the individual and their unique experiences in their faith and what brought them to it. We are going to get into the good, the bad, the raw, the messy, and the wonderful facets of each person's unique spiritual journey.